Bcore for me is primarily accountability and continuous improvement. And then at last, but that comes, it's about a business philosophy from shareholder to stakeholder model. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sustainable Changemakers, the pioneering podcast on sustainability in the Arab world, broadcasting from Dubai. I'm Nadine Zidani, sustainability consultant and executive coach on a mission to change the business world by balancing people, planet and profits. In today's episode, I'll introduce you to Ricardo Bellini, the president and CEO of Chloe since 2020. As passionate believer of a vision of more responsible and purposeful fashion, Ricardo has set an ambitious plan to reassert Chloe brand identity and desirability while shifting the company towards a purpose-driven business model centered on women empowerment and environmental sustainability. In committing to this vision, Ricardo has hired Gabriela Hurst as creative director of Chloe. He rolled out a transformative social and environmental agenda. He has joined the Fashion Pact. He has signed the women's empowerment principles developed by the United Nations and finally led the company to obtain the B Corp certification as first luxury fashion maison to achieve such milestone. Ricardo is an active member of His Majesty King Charles Sustainable Market Initiative and of the Conservation International European Leadership Advisory Council. A luxury fashion maison becoming a B Corp, it's huge, and there are pioneers in this industry. I wanted to know more about the reasons for Chloe to take the leap and join the movement driving business as a force for good. Let's hear Ricardo telling us how it all started and the importance of having a purpose and values as an organization. I started, it was just the beginning, I started as a CEO in Chloe in just a few months before COVID. And COVID gave us the opportunity to go through a deeper rethinking of all our business strategy and business model. Now we were going through a very challenging business situation. We had to redefine, not just manage the crisis, but take this opportunity to really rethink on what we were doing, how we were doing and why we were doing certain things. And COVID in a way acted as an accelerator and the sense of urgency on uh, rethinking on how to transform the company. A lot of it was a really business transformation. So what do we do on product? What do we do on distribution? But the fact that we were going through such major situation or change in, in the industry brought us to go deeper, not just on the business plan, which in fashion tends to be kind of not rocket science, let's say, brought us to really rethink the very reason and the very why we were doing certain things. In a moment in which you know, we were asking ourselves why people needs another product essentially you know why why fashion why luxury and this thinking was coming from an urge inside the company you know because everybody was pretty touched and moved by what was going on, but also was driven by an assessment of where the overall consumer and the industry was going. And in a way, the, the COVID acted as a big accelerator of changes that were already happening. And the key changes we saw was on one side, it was clearly sustainability becoming more and more a topic at the core in the industry, on every industry, and COVID put a huge lens on this topic. But also what we were observing was a major change from a consumer point 
point of view in this industry. And while this industry has always been driven by aesthetic as a primary driver of consumption, so I like this product, every brand has its own aesthetic, powered by marketing, powered by this ability to create desire for that aesthetic. What was becoming more and more evident was the importance of values in the consumer choice in addition to aesthetic and values becoming as important as aesthetic in directing consumer choices. So I buy this product because I like it, but because also of the value, the authentic values that the brand or the company behind the product manifests and actually put in place. And within those values, what was very strong as a belief was that in today's modern luxury, you have to clearly, yes, do great products with all the values that goes in there, but also take strong accountability and responsibility for the impact that those products and your operation have at large in the industry. And that is key because those values then are at the core of the creation of a relationship with your customers that is based on trust and that is based on, on long term. Ultimately, the trust, I believe, will be one of the most important elements in, uh, in one of the most competitive elements uh, in the future for many companies. So the ability to create trustworthy relationship and the trust comes uh, from your values and your authenticity and ability to truly manifest those values consistently in everything we do. Ricardo and his team spent time reflecting on the purpose of the company, which led them to come back to Chloe's founder and why she started the brand in the first place. A beautiful story that he's sharing with us. The purpose process was a purpose kind of in one side coming from the key leaders of the company uh, reflecting on their own purpose of why we work. Nobody here, I think, in this industry work to just make more money or to grow in the career. I think everybody, when you go deep, they work often to leave a legacy, to make an impact. Uh, you know, there is much bigger aspiration behind it. You now it's just a matter of unlocking. And when we this exercise, everybody, we all realized we, we were here to create something that could make an impact, even more because of the moment we And the other piece of the exercise was a study and a return to the very purpose of the company to begin with, why it was created. Now, you know, then company grows over time and many dynamics comes. But we went back to the very founder of the company who created it with a reason. And that reason, the founder company was created in 1952. And it was created by an amazing woman called Gabi Aguillon, who moved from Egypt to Paris after the war in a very bourgeois, after war, aristocratic type of society where women did not really have call it, a place or a liberated place. And she came in with an ambition that she stated, which was very clearly to liberate women, not to offer a new proposal that through fashion, I mean, she was doing fashion, a new proposal that was liberating of clothes, ready to wear clothes, that was liberating women from what she said was the rigidity of the codes of the corset of couture at the time. And it's a very important thing because it was kind of reflected in clothes, but her idea was was why a woman needs to wear only clothes coming from couture or from the copy of couture, which, by the way, had a corset that needed a man or someone to close it behind. When women can have clothes that just allow them to be themselves, express themselves and move freely. So she reflected that vision into clothes, but behind it, it was really rooted on a forward vision of femininity and the role of women in society. For what was the period at the time? You know, she called the brand with the name of a friend that was Chloe, was 
use not her own name. She kind of created a person. And there, her vision was, I want to use the power of the brand, the power of my creativity, the power of the messaging that the, my, my brand can give in order to inspire women to express themselves more freely, or as she said, to inspire women to dare. This now is a topic that maybe it's a bit more mainstream, but at the time it was revolutionary in many ways. She was just give you a small detail, but it shows the intention. She was the first in the show showing women with their own name instead of with the number. At the time in a couture show, and there was only women walking down with the numbers and you know people were taking notes of the numbers to choose the clothes. And then she stopped the number. Women are not numbers. Women have names, have stories. In their show notes, there were the story of the women. And she did the show in breakfast instead of the usual salon in the middle of a cafe with women walking out, moving freely and happy you know, in a moment which was very real life and not just a very curated aristocratic couture moment. This was a revolution at the time, but this shows an ambition and intention that then was reflected and brought forward in the many creative chapters that followed. Gabby Aguillon, with great creative from Karl Lagerfeld, Phoebe Philo, Stella McCartney, Claire McGeller, and now Gabriella Hearst. When we look at this, this is a, such a powerful purpose. We are here essentially to continue to carry this legacy. And it's such a powerful subject that still applies in today's time because the concept of gender equality is an issue that today exists and has never been addressed. And of course, we progress, but it's an, an issue that we still want to carry and own with pride and with passion. So that's how we started to shift. And this brought a deeper reflection of say the why we are here is essentially rooted on the belief that we can use by our fashion, our creativity, our platform, our operation to continuously propose a forward vision of femininity to uplift and empower women based on the belief that by doing this, we will create a positive impact on society. That was the first pillar. And the second pillar on sustainability, then the two issues are related, was we believe that as a modern company today, we need to take full responsibility of the externality that our business has on society and planet at large. We believe that we are facing one of the most existential crises that humanity ever faced. This is not belief, it's facts and it's science. So when you learn that the way you do business is actually not good for the impact it has on environment, you have to start taking action. So we made... We we power that commitment, we power that belief with the commitment to do everything possible to upgrade our operation, to find the solution, to reduce our impact towards the environment and inspire others to follow. So that was basically the two pieces that brought us to define our purpose, which today we call Women Forward for a Fairer Future. That is essentially rooted on a vision of sustainability, social and environmental sustainability at the core of everything we do. And this on two issues that, by the way, are very connected because we don't often say, it, but, uh, you know, science shows that the work on gender equality, gender advancement uh, is one of the most powerful solutions also on subject of climate. The subject of climate is in many ways driven by the way we operate and the impact or the carbon, or call it the footprint. But uh, by advancing on women, uh, there is a very strong, uh, effective and demonstrated way to actually uh, solve and help to solve uh, for many reasons uh, also climate issues because of the role of women in society and certain communities. After defining the company purpose, it was time to work on measuring and managing its environmental and social impact. 
But where to start? At that time, we didn't have a sustainability team, neither the knowledge or expertise needed to start such journey. And this is where B Corp came into the picture. B Corp, we knew the concept, it was not so developed, but uh, the philosophy of B Corp is amazing and I will tell you in a second, no? but first and foremost for us was a managerial tool and first and foremost was what gave us basically the path in order to achieve our ambition. We started with no belief that we could have got to the B Corp certification and this was not exactly the objective, but we wanted to get the company through the compliance model, through the whole uh, essentially assessment model that B Corps give us uh, to understand the gaps, to understand what needed to be done and to draw an action plan. So we started with that. So the biggest value for us was the process to do the assessment and the whole point system that comes with B Corp. Because once you go through it, no matter whether you get it or not, you will always come out as a better company than where you started. Because you track all your area, you understand where your gaps are you, through the system of points. But the, immediately as a CEO, he gave me a picture of where the opportunity area, where the gaps were and what the action needed to do. And the picture was very pervasive. It was not pervasive within the company. It was not a sustainability department that had to do B Corp, but B Corp touched all everything, the area of the company. So immediately by doing this, all the functions were involved without the need of a sustainability department to do the job on the side, which I don't believe. And of course we had it, but I don't believe. So we started the journey. It went extremely fast. First and foremost was, as I said, a managerial tool. And the more we went into the process, the more we started to put in place action plan, the more we start to get into this race of getting the points or improving the points, not really for certification, but to improve. And we finally actually got the certification, which was a huge process and a great you know, sense of achievement and the pride for the organization, but it ultimately gave us the method, the managerial systems and the action plan that we were looking for when we created the purpose and we didn't know how to implement it. B Corp is more than just a certification. It's a movement, a philosophy, a way of doing business driven by purpose and impact. I was not surprised to hear that the start of the B Corp process triggered a cultural transformation within Chloe. What B Corp did, in addition to this, in the process, was to inject a very powerful cultural transformation that we started in the very moment we initiated that process of searching for a B Corp certification. And that cultural transformation was not just in the, call it assessment and actions and all the things that we put in place as a result of this, you know, which were many, but also in the very philosophy that lies into B Corp, which is as a business, and that's what I believe will fundamentally change the way we do business in the future. You are here not just to essentially create shareholder value, but you know, what B Corp does, enlarge the very concept of shareholder to stakeholders, to the whole life larger stakeholders of the company, you are here actually to create value for a much larger set of stakeholders than just shareholders. And at the core, using our business to create a positive change or using our business as a force of good. When you start embracing that concept, you all of a sudden ignite a level of belief and energy 
and belong sense of belonging engagement which is incredibly powerful because yes we are here to do products we are here to do marketing and distribute the products do all the things with but there is a sense of meaning in what you do and there is a strong belief that by doing this properly and true to your purpose you can actually yes please shareholder because you drive your business, but have a much bigger impact at large. And this became very tangible at the beginning. Yes, we got B Corp, we got the certification, it was a big, big impact also in the industry, which by the way, was also kind of in line with our ambition to really to embrace sustainability, but to become a leader in sustainability, not really to win because sustainability is not a competitive matter, but it's a collaborative matter but to inspire many others to follow because this is an issue and that's a challenge that we all share. I can be the most sustainable uh, company ever, but if others don't move in my industry and significantly beyond, I mean, fashion is a big player, but there is significantly many other industries as well that have an impact, we'll never fix it. I'm a micro, micro player in the old things. Now, so we wanted to use this as a way also to advance, show that we could be successful by doing this so that many others would follow. B Corp changes the way you do business and how you select your suppliers when you realize that the decisions you take make a huge social and environmental impact. Ricardo is giving us concrete examples of collaboration with suppliers while explaining the impact it made. We started this and we started immediately to see the effect of this B Corp in many, many ways, because beyond our sustainability action, we started to redirect entirely our operation into certain type of sourcing. We started to collaborate with certain type of company we did not collaborate before. And by doing this, there is one superpower that the company has, which is volume. When you give a volume to a supplier or you give a volume to another supplier, you can change the, you can make a huge impact on the community related to both suppliers. So you can really, and in a way which is very simple, which is business and production. So it's not about charity, which of course you can always do, education, we do a lot of these things, but it's really using the very core. So what moves business, what moves and what creates values. Now, where the value goes and how you distribute the value, that that's the biggest thing. So, and I give an example that we started some of the first projects were in collaboration with a company called CME, which uh, produce beautiful jewelry. They have an atelier in the north of uh, Africa. They produce beautiful jewelry, but this atelier is made of women that get trained to the art of jewelry creation, fashion jewelry, not, not precious. And those women are taken out of violent family situation and help to create their own independent life through the dignity that the job gives and the independence, the economic independence that the job gives. It's a great laboratory, but by giving essentially business and uh, to this laboratory, you allow the laboratory to grow and you allow the social cause of the laboratory to consistently grow. So you start impact very clearly the family, the, the life of these individuals, that by having an independence and economic independence, they can avoid to go back into very violent family situation. We started to do paniers in Africa, in, uh, in Kenya, with a company called Mifuko, helping community of women that were trained to do this panier, and so on and so on. Great product that then we use the power into of our marketing and the power of our platform through the show, through all the mechanism of fashion in order to 
promote, to make it a successful product, to tell a successful story behind it, but also to generate business that by definition will impact community at large, that can inspire many others to follow. Chloe is a trailblazer in the luxury fashion industry. They officially became a B Corp in October 2021, which was an amazing achievement. I was curious to know how the industry reacted to the announcement. The most rewarding feedback that we got was not just the congratulations, but the many other fashion players that called us to understand how we did it and to start asking for learnings that they could reapply into their own model to see whether this was a model that they could apply. And this was great rewards because the real purpose was to inspire, was not to say we are the first one. I mean, it's, it's absolutely unnecessary to be the first one <laughs> into this kind of topic, essentially, to make a difference. But there was a lot of requests and we gave a lot of open support to many other companies to share what we learned on the process what went wrong, what was challenging, and what needed to be changed to do this, and, and the benefit that we all got. So this was number one. And this reflected, by the way, something in that I'm a big optimist and a big believer in, uh, in this industry. This was also rooted on a, on a fact that all company, some more, some less, some more authentically, some less authentically, were truly reflecting about how to embrace this challenge. When I say authentically, not authentically, because some people came it out of urge of consumer demands, some people came it out of set of belief, and that's fine, no? but there is a very genuine interest and from all company to understand how to approach and what to do and how to change. And this genuine interest is becoming stronger and stronger as the legislative contest is continue to develop now, because now it's catching up and will catch up quite soon so people will have to be prepared so come out of belief come out of consumer needs or aspirations and now it's going to come out of legislation as well but everybody wanted to and everybody then decided to do their own path i don't say b corp is right for everybody but i think uh, the very concept of b corp and the very philosophy of a regenerative business model i think is uh, what will make company within the future it's a fact it's for the simple reason that uh, if you don't either you're not going to be able to operate uh, within the legislative uh, environment because legislation will not allow you to do it or your consumer will be your legislator because they will be the one and i go back point deciding uh, who to support who not to support and in the digital world You can't do any mistake anymore on this subject. It's going to travel very fast and it's going to go, it's going to break exactly that trustworthiness that is the foundation of, uh, of your long competitiveness. Honestly. Let's see now what has changed at Chloe since we decided to embark in the B Corp journey and truly transform its business model. What first changed over the last two years was know-how and knowledge. And that's where we invested a lot of energy you now because people can have all the best ambition of the world or the best belief. But what we realized is that there was a very big necessity to share knowledge about sustainability at large, about why a company needs to embrace such a change, you know? why it's so important to do it. You know? And uh, sustainability and environmental and climate impact is a very, very, not a sexy topic. It's a very complicated topic. So many people didn't even know that fashion is one of the top polluting industry in the world. They said, really? And they said, why? You know, people did not know that the raw material can have uh, like cotton or like other can have, have a huge footprint. They, they simply don't know. So we spent a lot of time in uh, training. 
training at all levels to make understand the very basic of climate impact. Now, why, if you operate like this, now we have this impact. And the other part of training was really reconnecting to the very reason to be of this company, the very purpose from the founder, you know, go back to the roots, go back to the DNA, that, that soul and company have a soul of uh, that, that made this company become what it is today and make sure you continue to perpetuate that purpose. So that started to gave clarity on the why, clarity on the need of, on the sense of urgency needed, clarity on the role that we could play into this as fashion and gradually sense of engagement, sense of pride. And of course, we still have a long way to go no? because we are trying to bring it down to the store level, down to every single corner of the company and, and gradually it's happening. So we are here for, for a reason and, uh, and that reason is something to be proud of and that's something that can leave a strong legacy. You know, we all come and all go. No? So you want to leave the company better than what it was when you leave. The fashion industry has a significant impact on our society's culture. Ricardo explains us why it is a responsibility as well as an opportunity for fashion brands to support sustainable development. Impact that we can have, you know, fashion is a very superficial or is considered as a very superficial world by definition. You sell product that people don't need and all this kind of thing. But fashion is culture and fashion at its best reflects an impact culture. It, historically, it always had a huge role in pushing forward progressive values, pushing forward big changes, has been the first one to embrace either gender issue, bigger societal issues. It was in a show of someone to come out. It was always kind of always playing a role. And on the other side, it defined the codes of beauty and the codes of aspiration for society, how kids dress. Now kids shows what they find cool, what they don't find cool. In a way, you have a responsibility when you do this. You do have a responsibility and you have a power at the same time. Because what are the codes that you want to define? What is the definition of cool <laughs> that you want to define? What are the stories that you want to give? No? And how to make this thing? So I think fashion has a huge role in really making sustainability sexy, in making influence the perception of sustainability and making it cool we know through beauty through communication through what we do and to make it normal for everybody you know, and to tell those stories and i think that's what what is happening as soon as you put it on the forefront of your messaging and as soon as you decide that beauty is also beauty for the planet at large then i think influence perception and that's a big cultural responsibility and opportunity that all fashion have. Luxury and sustainability come hand in hand. Despite the commitment of Chloe, we are not yet seeing a clear movement towards sustainability in this industry. Ricardo is giving us his outlook on that. That luxury has a responsibility because it touches culture and it reflects culture at the best, luxury and fashion. And also because the very value of luxury are primarily value that are in itself very, very, very coherent with sustainability. It's all about craftsmanship. It's all about timelessness. Uh, and it's all about uh, quality and craft and so on. So it's really something that it's in a way, it's about rediscovering uh, the true nature of what made this industry happen and going back to those very values. Then, of course, problem in our economic growth as, as a society has been the, the, the whole industrialization of fashion and of our businesses, the whole industrial aspect that now is changing. No? 
but you know i luxury is, is not so industrial it's actually very still rooted in certain way of doing things no? but that's where the problems start no so this old uh, big industrial uh, acceleration that changes many processes and created uh, all the externality that we know that now we are kind of trying to to correct even the externality when i take it and i always refer to this one because that's essentially the topic we've all been doing business without taking care of certain externalities not because we are bad but because it was simply not what we were taught of or was not relevant our what we were taking care of was a pnl and the long-term value growth. But we did not realize that by doing this business, we were having externalities. They were not on us, on at large, on communities and on planet. Uh, so we got a long way with that. You know? And uh, carbon emissions, uh, impact on others, uh, wealth redistribution, and all these kind of things. Now, I believe that uh, this is the big change that will come. You know? As now, these externalities, we didn't need to take care of the contest the social requirement will be actually to start taking care of that's as simple as that no if i do business and i do an impact okay i need to be responsible for that impact and i need to consider how to uh, change that impact in good or, or less bad gabriella hurst is the creative director of chloe she's a very engaged woman in sustainable fashion Her commitment is to make a strong and modern collection without compromising her ethics and key values, taking into consideration where materials come from and who is making them. It's all about luxury with a conscience, or in simple words, honest luxury. Ricardo explains to us the power of the creative force of Chloe in driving change. Gabriella is, uh, has been and is an amazing force behind the transformation that we went through for many, many reasons, because she's a force herself, she's an amazing leader, and she's very knowledgeable about the topic. Uh, but what is important here is, is to understand that in our business as a fashion, what really can make the, the old magic of a fashion company lies in the partnership between the business side and the creative side, now, which is always kind of captured by this concept of the partnership between the CEO and the creative director and the ability to define a business strategy that is uh, rooted into the creative strategy and vice versa. In our industry, to make those changes, it's uh, having the full leadership and the full drive of the creative director is the only way for change to happen. Because uh, you could say that at least uh, almost 80% of the problem can be solved at design table. If a creative director or a creative team decide to use one material or another material, you can have a huge difference in the footprint of a product or another. If you decide to go for a sourcing or for another sourcing, you can have a huge impact. If you decide to embrace a collaboration or with a women-led social enterprise or not, you can have a huge impact. And you cannot force creative to do it if you don't believe in it. The fact that the creative director was fully and is fully The, one of the primary driver of this ambition is what allows us to accelerate so much. And that's the key. What we share with Gabi is a common vision and a common action plan. And the common vision, as I said, is to prove a model and to truly harness the true soul of the brand and the true purpose of the brand, but to prove the model of a scale of a regenerative business by constantly pushing ourselves to do more and to do better in everything we do, in decreasing our impact and in improving our social positive impact and, and even environmental positive impact. 
So we constantly share. We have a lot of fun together. We have a lot of fights together. It's never a passion. It's always the best driver and can move mountains, but it means tons of emotions. But when those emotions are aligned on a common goal, they can move mountains. I always end the podcast by the same question to my guests. What does it take to become a change maker in our today's world? It takes leadership and a few comments on this, you know, because uh, at the very core, what we need today is uh, will, determination and leadership to make this change happen. So you can be a change maker or uh, not really a big change maker. You just have to make things happen. And you just have to make sure that that leadership and that vision uh, is something which is uh, as true to yourself and as authentic to yourself. And that's, I explain what I mean with that. A big driver of uh, that force that you need when you start a big change, when you want to achieve a certain goal, is essentially a strong belief that you are on your own path. To have that strong belief of your own path, you always need to go through a process of understanding what your own path is, what your own values are, what is the impact that you want to have, or call it your own personal purpose. I'm an eternal optimist, as I said, but every time I saw people going, and great leaders going authentically through that process of understanding what is the legacy that you want to leave. No, and it could be at large on the planet, but it could be very small on your family. There is always an element of others. There will always an element of leaving something behind. There will always an element of using your skill to make a positive impact. Always, no? then the definition and the perimeter of the positive impact can change from people to people. The ink can change, but that's the thing. Now, when you find that core and that drive that gives ultimately meaning to your life, that is the force, the fuel, the leadership and the energy that you need to make big change. No? And it helps you also to understand what is the change that you want to make. You know, because we are not here all the Mother Teresa of the world or uh, the Bill Gates of the world. <laughs> Everybody has his own role in the true space. When I, I saw magic coming out, when people just get congruent between what I call their inner game and their outer game and their life that truly reflects their form and what they want to do. And that's a beautiful journey. And that's really the strengths you need when you make change happen. It's never an easy path. It's never an easy path. But we choose this path. Nobody put us in this path. So once you choose, you choose it and then you go for it. Chloe's journey is very inspiring. I hope you enjoyed learning more about the transformation we are going through as much as I did. A very special thank you to my guest, Ricardo Bellini, to you for choosing the Sustainable Changemakers and tuning in until the end. Please subscribe, rate and share this podcast. You can reach out to me from my website, nadinezidani.com and social media platforms. You will find all the links in the podcast notes. And stay tuned for the next episode.